Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. Hey, if you're uh, planning to party this weekend, warning, police can now give you a breathalyzer while you're sitting at a bar or you're sitting and having a drink in your own home. Weird. Isn't this, this is crazy. I know we talked about the new laws where police can pull you over and give you a breathalyzer without suspicion that you've been drinking. If they have the breathalyzer with uh, with them, they can demand a breath sample. If you don't give it to them, you're going to face the same charge as you would uh, if you're driving impaired. So you have to give it to them. And this kind of flew under the radar at first, but it's now been revealed that two hours after you've been driving, they can test your breath. So if Somebody called, let's say, and said, I saw Jim Kelly's car driving erratically on the road. Mm -hmm. You get home, Jim. An hour and a half later, you've been sitting watching a hockey game. You've had a couple beers. You get a knock on the door. It's the police. They say, blow into this thing. And if you blow over the legal limit, they can arrest you for driving impaired, even though you're not in your vehicle and you've been home for an hour and a half. And then apparently, according to this article, the onus is on you to prove that you weren't impaired while you're driving. Right. So you have to somehow prove that, which I don't know how you do it. Now, obviously, this is a bit of a loophole that has, has been exploited in the past where people will get out of their cars, park their vehicle, then grab, let's say, I don't know, a bottle of vodka yeah. And chug it and say, oh, I was so stressed out from the uh, the accident I got in or I was so stressed out from the, uh, the, the drive close call I had out on the road that I started drinking the moment I got home. So I, I understand the loophole, but at the same time, I use Diamond's designated drivers quite a bit when I'm going out downtown. I'll drive my car somewhere. And then I'll go inside a bar or go to a concert or a sporting event, and I'll start drinking. Well, full intention. I'm not driving home. I'm mm-hmm. having someone else drive my car home. But if I have my car at the bar, they can now say, well, you're drunk. You drove here. Prove to us that you weren't drunk on your way to the bar. It's impossible to prove. It's impossible to prove. Yeah. And the one of the there was an article that I read too. There was a 70-year-old man who was uh, returning a bunch of empties, uh, yeah. a bunch same of empties, a bunch news, of wine bottles. Same global news article right here. The guy was uh, returning his empties. They pulled him over and basically gave him a breathalyzer test because they thought he was returning too many empties, I guess. I well, who returns empties when they're still drunk? I, it's just, you know, it just seems like a bad logic from the cops, and they're overstepping well, some boundaries. It's a possibility, for sure, sure. Certainly, but it's just so weak. Like, the holidays just happened. People are returning their empties. Yeah. It could happen, but you had no reason other than the fact that this guy was going to a beer store yeah. to give him the test. If you see him, he's driving in the wrong lane, or he's running a red light, I get it. Yeah. You know, but this is, uh, it's pretty scary stuff. And it's annoying because when you step on the other side of the fence, you want to argue against the police having the right to do this. You sound like you're promoting drinking and driving, which we're obviously not. Yeah. We're just promoting civil liberty. Yeah. What are you guilty of, Jim? (laughs) Let me get the list out. (laughs) Let's go to the phones. Hello. Hey, um, I was listening to you guys this morning and you guys are saying that the cops can breathalyze you in your house? In your house, two hours after they get a report of you driving erratically, they can come to your house, 
give you a breathalyzer up to two hours, and if you fail your breathalyzer, they can charge you with DUI. Or they could, if you drive to a bar, they can give you the breathalyzer test in a bar up to two hours after you've been driving. And then it's on you to prove that you weren't driving impaired. (laughs) So hypothetically, if you had an angry ex-girlfriend and you were with another girl a year later... And that person, that girlfriend, drove your car home after you guys went out, and she hadn't been drinking at all. If the ex knew, she could call, and it would be the onus would be on me to prove through some kind of record that I didn't drive that vehicle. Is that, this a hypothetical? Uh, it, 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 <laughs> it's, you know, like it, it sounds like you might have a terrible <laughs> ex-girlfriend somewhere. <laughs> I'm just throwing out hypotheticals here. Like, you know, how yes, but like, yeah, or if you cut someone off in traffic and you're on your way to a party or a bar or right. you're going home to watch yeah. the hockey game, that person, you know, you may be sober, but they're vengeful. They call the cops and be like, hey, this guy seemed like he was drunk. They report you, and uh, then they come to your house, give you a breathalyzer. You could be charged if you fail That's it. Exactly what I'm what I'm thinking is that that one person that wants to get at you for doing something, right? Like, how far does it go? Yeah. You better do it to your ex before she does it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to another call. Who's this? Let's watch Mom and tell. How you doing? Good, Wes. Good. Listen, about that whole uh, drinking and, and getting the breathalyzer at home or at the bar, maybe not so much at the bar, but at home, you have to have, if you're a 100-pound person, three drinks before you'll blow over on average. If you're 200 pounds, you're looking at more like six drinks. Can you can you- still hit the warning sign before that between the point five and point eight. But the blow over point eight is like six drinks for someone our size. Can you drink six drinks in two hours? I probably could if I really wanted to, and yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of people that could. I know during our Don't Drink and Drive show, we start drinking at 5.30, and we're blowing over by 8 o'clock. So that's two and a half, three hours. Yeah. It, it's so, possible. It is, and I think that it's good because if somebody needs to set back just a little bit at home, to, for the safety of everyone else, for the people that will get caught, and this will prevent people from dry, drinking and driving because they know they can get caught at home now. So you're, you're all it. for it, Wes. Uh, you know what? It, I, I feel it's a little bit uh, of a breach of privacy there, but at the same point in time, for for the safety and for the lives that won't be lost in the future because of it, I think I'm okay with it. What about this one? I have a beer at home while I'm getting ready to go out to a, a party. And so I've already had a beer or two beers, but I'm well under the legal limit when I drive my car to the bar or the banquet hall. And once I get there, I have a couple more beers. Then the cops come in. And that's where it's going to have, that's where it's going to be. How can can they say that I was over the legal limit when I drove my car? And that's a very good thing. And I, I hope that there won't be an abuse of power there. Um, it's going to have to be common sense. I mean, I think that if you show up and you're drunk, there's going to have to be people saying, yeah, okay, this guy showed up drunk. And then I think uh, officers would then have the right to make a judgment call on it. So you're saying that you're willing to give up some privacy to keep people safe. People also lose their lives to um, guns. So would you be comfortable with if the cops came to your house once a week to sweep your uh, home to see if there was no guns in there, even though you did nothing wrong? 
No, I don't think it's going to be once a week, though. I think it's going to be if there's a complaint. Well, you know, I'm just saying, like, where do you draw the line? Wherever I, there's power, there's an abuse of power. and I, I totally agree. There's great cops out there who are going to follow this uh, as ethically as possible. And then there's others who may take it upon themselves to uh, just pad their stats a bit and dr- arrest as many people as they can. I totally agree, uh, and, and I hope that uh, if that is the case, that uh, karma will catch up. Uh, you know, you have one officer that arrests 100 people more than anyone else in a certain period of time. I think that that should stand out and go, okay, maybe there's something wrong with what's going on here. Well, it's a good time to be a uh, an Uber or a taxi driver. Absolutely. In the province of Ontario, because <laughs> you don't want to be drinking and driving now more than ever. No kidding. The Pursuit of Happiness, I'm an adult now. They are in town tonight at London Music Hall. Band is back at it. Jim, you got to talk to uh, the front man, Mo Berg, yesterday. Yeah, they, uh, they're back out uh, supporting their uh, Love Junk 30th anniversary album so uh that's the classic album from from these guys that has pursuit of happiness or sorry that has uh, i'm an adult now that we just played and uh, hard to laugh classic canadian album so they haven't been touring in a while basically so my first question to mo uh was when was the last time he actually played a, a show in london i do it was a new year's eve 2005 or four i think it was 2005 going to 2006 we played at victoria park um, in the bitter cold, yeah, <laughs> I, that was the last time. So yeah, it would have been. It's been a while. Yeah, well, your first album, Love Junk, came out in 1988. So the reason why you guys are kind of back out and doing your thing again is because you just recently released the Love Junk 30th Anniversary Edition with uh, all the original album, of course, and then a bunch of tracks that got left on the cutting room floor. How hard was it to go through all those old songs again and, and listen to them and, and re-experience all that? Well, it was actually really, it was fun because not only did we, like, I, you know, I kind of checked out the album again, but we also had a second disc, and so I had to go through a bunch of old demos and old live versions of songs and unreleased things and sort of put that together so it was real kind of trip down memory lane. The, the thing about all these tracks were, was there wasn't like a lot of really good um, source material for them so a lot of them were there's no there wasn't any way to go back and fix any of the like these demos or any of these live versions like a lot of bands would go back and maybe fix the vocal or fix something so they're their warts and all all those uh, that, everything that's on that second disc is their warts and all and, and so in, in some ways that's kind of Gives it a bit of a, a bit of charm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, some of the songs sound like they were kind of written by a young man, but some of the songs I almost relate more to them now than I did when I first wrote them. Now, Mo, you must be in London more than uh, people might think because you are uh, currently a professor at Fanshawe College, teaching in the music industry arts program, right? That's right. Yeah, I teach first year production. It's really, really fun. Yeah, it must be. It must be amazing uh, seeing the the fresh faces come in and comparing their music taste with your music taste. Are you surprised with what the kids are listening to these days? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously they listen to a lot of modern music, but it's so funny, you know, you walk into a classroom and someone's got an Iron Maiden t-shirt on and, <laughs> or, you know, a Kiss t-shirt on and, you know, Black Sabbath and, you know, kids are still really connecting with a lot of sort of the same music that I probably listened to when I was their age. Yeah, you are, you're producing music now as well? That's right. Yeah, with locals uh, Olivia and the Creepy Crawlies, I've seen them a few times in town. They're amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, um, another London band I did was called uh, Lost in Japan. I'm yeah. currently working with a guy named James um, Clark, and I just I'm also working with a guy named Sam Taylor, who's actually from St. Thomas. Mo Berg from the Pursuit of Happiness from the classroom back to the stage tonight over at London Music Hall. And not only a Pursuit of Happiness, 
Man, the odds. For yeah. Awesome Canadian band from the 90s opening up for them, too. So, Should be a good show. You want a little flashback. Tickets available at the door tonight. London Music Hall. Odds in the pursuit of happiness. Check out this lotto story. Nine co-workers from a Guelph auto parts manufacturer have quit their jobs after winning the big $60 million Lotto Max jackpot. Oh. That thing went forever. It was $60 million for weeks and weeks. Nobody was winning the jackpot. Then uh, we did hear that somebody in Guelph had won. Turns out it was a group of co-workers at Guelph's Linamar Corporation. So it's an assembly line. Uh, ages 21 to 57 years old, the employees who won. Originally, the, the guy who scanned the ticket thought they won $6,000. Yeah. <laughs> Was probably pumped. You hear that all the time, right? It's like, because it's hard to comprehend $60 million. It's a lot of zeros. You see that on there. Oh, we won $6,000. No, you won $60 million. They say they hardly ever buy tickets. They've only bought tickets three or four times in the past. They don't buy them for the small jackpots, only for the big jackpots. Oh, they only go big or go home. <laughs> and they ended up winning this one. So that's $60 million. That is a lot of zeros. $60 million divided by nine is... Ooh, that's kind of a scary number. They're all getting six... Million six hundred and sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars. Don't redeem the ticket. <laughs> the mark of the beast. <laughs> it's a lot of sixes. Uh, it's, a, it's a good little chunk of change. And that's why they've all handed in their resignations, totally screwing the company over. <laughs> Simultaneously. Yeah, they're going to have to shut down the whole line while they hire new people and retrain. Oh, that's so you're the boss and not only do you not get in on the millions of dollars won now you have to find everybody to replace these your business people. your livelihood is yeah, shut down you're gonna lose a million dollars that's a it's a good little lesson for employers treat them well because if they end up winning the lottery you want them to stick around for at least a couple months well, you can find new people to, to train and hire, right? Yeah. Even if it was just a couple weeks, it's like working seven Fridays in a row. These guys you must have hated their jobs. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you do that for your company, for your boss that's provide your li- provided your livelihood for so long? Yeah. I guess it's easy for us to say we don't have $666 million or whatever. $6.66 million. Yeah. <laughs> so they are shutting down the whole line there and these nine people. They say that... Um, they're going to stay in touch through text message and get together once a year to check in, see how everybody's doing. Who's going to blow all the money first? Right. Hey, can I can I borrow some cash? <laughs> hey, that funny story about that $60 million. My brother's a supervisor for Linamar. They uh, make auto parts and stuff like that. And he was telling me at Christmas there was a, ru- a rumbling going around that the, they had won it. But they're already 50 or 60 people short in the plan anyway. They have about 3,000 employees. Yeah. And uh, anyway, now for another 10 to hit the bricks, they, they just can't fill the jobs anyway as it is. <laughs> wow. How yeah. bad do you, I feel bad for the other employees that oh. aren't in on the lottery. I guess I, you kind of have to leave because everyone would just be full of resentment towards mm-hmm. you if you kept working there and you had $6.6 million in the bank, right? And you'd just always well, be in a great the- mood, whistling, walking up and down the <laughs> shop floor. <laughs> 
What about the guy walking around with the envelope and says, hey, do you want to throw two bucks in? And you go, well, no, not today. You always say yes for the office you pool. you got to say yes. It's not even about winning the jackpot. It's, a, it's, it's about the fact that everyone else could win it without you. <laughs> right. Those other ten are leaving and you're still there. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, I guess the silver lining here is if you're looking for a job, <laughs> get your resume ready and take it over to Linamar in Guelph. Mm-hmm. Now hiring. Are you ready for predictions? With the Twins and Devin Peacock. The four. Hero boys and he sends out the size. Be like a cinder block. It's time to double your pleasure and double your fun. With Colin and Cole, the sons of Andrea Dunn. It is playoff time in the NFL. Time for some football picks with Dunner's twin boys. And our big boy, Devin Peacock. (laughs) Growing up so fast. (laughs) Who's a big boy? (laughs) Okay, the kids always get to go first. So here are Colin and Cole's picks. Come on in, Taz. Come on in, Taz. Can you congratulate Devin? Because he actually beat us in the regular season. I love you, Devin. You're the sweetest boy ever, Cole. All right, it's playoffs here in the NFL, so what do you think? The Colts or the Chiefs? Colts. Mama, on the Colts is a call. So that's why you're picking the Colts? (laughs) (laughs) Because it sounds like coal. Yeah. Colin, brother wants the Colts because they sound like coal. Mama, you said call one Collins. The, the Collins? Yes. I want to pick the Collins. Do you want the Cowboys or the Rams? Collins. No Collins. There's no team named Collins. Uh, I'm just pretending there's Collins. Cowboys or the Rams? Uh, the Rams. You ready for Sunday's games? The Chargers or the Patriots? Patriots. Patriot. And then the Eagles or the Saints? The Saints. You guys happy with those picks? Yeah. You happy with your choices, Cole? Yes. I am. Say bye, Taz. Bye, Taz. Thanks, guys. <laughs> if there's an expansion team, they better name it the Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can just cheer for whoever Colin Kaepernick played. Darn it! There's oh, no yeah. Collins in the league anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I doubt if there is an expansion team now (laughs) that you make that point, Jim. (laughs) I doubt it'll be called the Collins. (laughs) Dev, are your picks any different? I've got uh, quite a few different picks. Who are you going with? So I'm going to go with the uh, Chiefs over the uh, Coles. I'm going to go with the uh, Dallas Cowboys in the upset over the LA Rams. Okay. I'm picking the Chargers to win in New England. I like it. Fingers crossed. And uh, I'm going to the Saints over the Eagles. All right. You want uh, some help making your pro-line picks? We'll post all the twin picks and Dev's picks on the Taz Show blog at FM96.com. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend in the NFL. Ka-ka!